0: This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, welcoming you to the Lead On Podcast. Each week we talk about important issues related to ministry leadership, and today I'd like to talk about the issue of training for effectiveness in ministry leadership. Now, before you think this is just going to be a seminary commercial or a Gateway promotion, stay with me because I want to talk more broadly about what it means to be trained, and then I do want to talk about some advantages of more formal training opportunities. It might surprise you, but Uh, I recognize and support, quite frankly, a number of different ways for training people for ministry, but we could group them into two broad categories. First of all, there are formal training methods, and we'll get to those in a few minutes, but the other uh, big category are what I call informal training methods. Now, These are conferences, seminars, reading books, talking to mentors, uh, all kinds of ways that people are shaped and trained and improved in their leadership skills. I certainly support those. I I speak at them all the time. I I write books. I produce curriculum. I I do all I can to try to make it possible for people to learn and develop and grow in their leadership capacity. Now, those are informal ways of training for leadership. Some people say, well, that's all you need. I just need to go to the right conferences. I just need to read the right books. I just need to get the right mentors. Um, If I just do those things, then I'll learn all I need to know about how to do ministry. Well, while I wholeheartedly support informal ministry training opportunities, I don't think they're adequate for preparing a person for a lifetime of leadership in ministry. Now, when I first started out as a seminary president 15 years ago, uh, the speech that I was most often asked to make on this subject was, Why Gateway? Or back in those days, Why Golden Gate? In other words, people wanted me to make the case for why a person should attend our particular seminary. But nowadays when I'm asked this uh, to address this issue of training, I'm not asked to speak about our seminary. I'm asked to speak about the answer to this question, not why gateway, but why seminary? Why seminary? Why train at all in a formal setting when there are so many other avenues or venues for informal training that are also available. So today uh, while affirming the need for informal training, I want to talk for a few minutes about uh, the aspects of formal training that are really necessary and I think strengthen a person for a lifetime of ministry leadership. Uh, formal training, by that I mean entering into a seminary or a college or some kind of Bible training program, Bible school program, where you're going to go through a prescribed curriculum under the supervision of others that leads usually to a degree or to a diploma or to some kind of formal recognition. I'm not talking about, again, informal strategies like reading a book or going to a conference or attending a seminar or even meeting with a mentor. I'm talking about a prolonged period of intense formal training that you choose that's structured and leads you to a conclusion that usually involves some kind of formal recognition. So what are the advantages or what are the positive aspects of formal training? Well, the first one is this. Formal training makes you accountable to others. Uh, This can motivate you to focus on learning and growing or developing as a leader in ways you would not or perhaps could not do on your own. Now, the reality is most of us do better when someone holds us accountable. Uh, When we know that we have to give an account for our time, uh, for our work, for for the use of our money, uh, when we know that we're being held accountable, we tend to do better work and we tend to learn more effectively. So formal training uh, makes you accountable to others. It's not, well, I'll go to a seminar, but if I want to cut a couple of sessions, who's going to really care? Formal training says, I'm going to sign up for a class, and if I'm not there, uh, they'll note that I'm not present, and they'll reduce my grade, or they'll charge me a fine or a fee, or they'll in some way penalize me for not fulfilling my commitments. So formal training helps us because it holds us accountable. Another way that formal training helps is it stretches our thinking. Uh, When you involve yourself in formal training, you'll read books you might not otherwise choose. Uh, You'll consider different viewpoints. Uh, You'll encounter new concepts and ideas that will expand your understanding of ministry. Um, And it it won't be the kind of expansion you get by going to a seminar. When when you go to a seminar or conference, you get the seminar or conference leader's perspective, and that's not bad. Again, I do that kind of speaking. I think it's a good thing. I'm glad that I go to conferences and seminars, and I can learn from the leader's perspective. But when you go into a formal training setting, you typically get an approach that presents a lot of different perspectives, or different options on different ideas, or different ways of looking at solving certain ministry problems. And so formal training is not just about the leader communicating what works for me. It's about the leader communicating what works globally, what works in various different kinds of settings. What are the factors about what works in different circumstances? That's how formal training can stretch your thinking to consider, new viewpoints or consider new options you might not otherwise consider another good thing about formal training is enlarges your worldview formal training will will uh, help you to look at things from other cultures and and learn from people from widely varying backgrounds Uh, for example teaching here at Gateway I've had to learn how to work in a lot of different cultural settings in a formal training context what I mean by that is Uh, for example, I once taught a preaching class. I had 20 students. Uh, There were seven Anglo students, and there were 13 students from six other languages or cultures of the world. You know, a, a Filipino student in that class sat on the front row and took down almost every word I said. He was very engaged in the class. And then when it came time to preach, I remember listening to his first sermon and thinking, well, one of two things is happening here. Number one, he has just disregarded basically everything I've said about how to structure and format a sermon. R2, he has translated what I've said into Filipino culture and the way Filipinos like to hear the, hear truth explained, and he's written a message that will fit the ear of the hearers he's going to be addressing. Now, which is it? I had to make that decision. But what really struck me was how engaged and intense the student was in the classroom, and yet how different his application of it sounded than anything I would have expected when he put his cultural uh, overlay on what he had been taught. When you teach preaching at a school like ours, you have to expand your worldview. Think about different cultural perspectives. Look at a bigger picture, and you have to understand that you can draw strength Uh, our strengths from the various ways that preaching is taught and done in different cultures and different ethnic and different uh, racial groups in the church around the world. You can make the same application in other areas. For example, when we have a class uh, on the family, it's really easy to stereotype what family is supposed to be like and to take the passages of scripture that speak about the family and interpret them and illustrate them in one particular way. But the reality is Korean families, German families, Brazilian families, American families. They are all very different. And when you take the timeless truth of Scripture about family, but then apply it in the cultural contexts that I've just described, two things happen. One, the family looks different in different contexts, and that can be healthy. But number two, the issues the Scripture addresses that have to be corrected are also different in every, in every culture, <clears throat> and that also can be challenging. So learning to look at, true, or look at a subject from various different p- cultures and perspectives really stretches your thinking, and that happens best in a formal training setting. Another thing that it does is formal training really focuses on the theological and the theoretical foundations for ministry. Uh, somebody once said, well, seminaries are kind of out of date. And I said, yeah, thank you. And he stopped said, well, I didn't mean that as a compliment. I said, oh, oh I'm sorry. You said seminaries are out of date. And I, and I thought you were recognizing our strength. And he said, well, what are you talking about? I said, look, at, at a seminary, we're not chasing the latest fad. We're trying to communicate The timeless theological and theoretical foundations for ministry that have been laid down for the church over hundreds of years of practice and careful analysis. And so, yes... If you're looking for uh, the 25 newest ways to innovate and invigorate your youth ministry or the 25 hottest changes that you can make in your worship service, you're probably not going to get that at a seminary. But if you want to know the timeless theology of worship which should drive every single decision we make about how our worship service is formatted, or if you want to know timeless truth about family dynamics that will connect with youth ministry and ought to inform how youth ministry is done, then you've come to the right place if you've come to a seminary. So when someone says, well, seminary is a kind of out of date, I take that as a compliment because we're not chasing today's fads in ministry. We're trying to communicate the timeless foundation, uh, theological and theoretical foundations for a lifetime of ministry. And so that's one of the strengths of formal training. It, it's really not uh, trying to be uh, on the cutting edge. That's what informal training tries to do. Formal training tries to deal with the foundation. That make a lifetime of ministry possible. And then finally, formal training puts you in contact with people and uh, with resources that you can draw on, you know, for a lifetime. Now, uh, it it's amazing that I'm still using these years later. I still go back and look at class notes, I still go back and look at books I was assigned to read, I still occasionally uh, contact professors that I had years ago, or if I see one at a conference or at a meeting or at a convention, I'll go up and I'll talk with them and I might ask them questions about the field they taught me and try to get some new information or some new insight or to talk with them about how my understanding has transitioned or developed over time. These relationships last a long time. And then you also establish relationships with peers people you go to school with and learn with and do ministry with. As you grow and move along in life and ministry, those relationships deepen. And you know you can draw on those people as well because you not only know uh, have, have a common knowledge base of what you've learned together, but you have experiences that you've shared, and you can draw on those as well. And so these are some of the ways that formal training is, uh, is to our benefit. I'll, I'll just add one more, actually, and that is formal training also doesn't mean that you're not getting uh, practical training at the same time. You know, good formal training uh, incorporates uh, on-the-job training, it incorporates uh, real-time reflection of what's happening in ministry and bringing to bear this timeless foundation of theoretical and theological foundation, bringing that to bear on what you're going through. For example, at our school we have a a program of field education that requires people to do a year-long internship. And during that internship, uh, they are taking what they're learning at seminary and trying to filter that into what they're doing in ministry and then reflecting on what they're doing in ministry and trying to adjust that based on what they're learning in seminary and learning how to do something that's called theological reflection. And that is looking at life, looking at theology and seeing where they merge together, where they come together and where life has to be adjusted in light of what we believe. Well, These are just some of the advantages of formal training. When someone asks me, why seminary? I say, well, formal training, it makes you accountable to others, it'll stretch your thinking, it'll enlarge your worldview, it'll focus on the foundations, it'll give you contact with people, That you'll stay uh, engaged with over a lifetime and in the context of all of that You'll learn to do theological reflection and to learn on the through on-the-job training How to actually apply what the Bible has to say about life and ministry into a contemporary setting Now despite these advantages There are still complaints about formal training and some of these uh, Need to be addressed as well. The first one is this. Well formal training takes too long I don't want to spend two or three or four years going to seminary. That's just too long. I want to get out and get busy in ministry. Well, let me ask you this question. How long does it take to train an attorney? How long does it take to train an engineer? How long does it take to train a physician? In all of these professions, it takes six to nine to ten years from the time a person enters school until the time they're finally certified and ready to do the work they've committed themselves to over a lifetime. Physicians, engineers, attorneys, six to 10 years of school to prepare for those professions. Why is it that you would think it would take any less time to prepare for a lifetime of ministry leadership when your role is the only one that deals with eternal realities. If it takes those years to deal with medical and legal and structural realities in our world, don't you think it should take some time to learn how to deal most effectively with eternal realities? And so when people tell me that formal training just takes too long, I warn, I caution them about uh, about invalidating or trying to shortcut the ministry training that's needed for a lifetime of effective service another one I've already addressed and that is well ministry training or formal training is just out of date and I've already talked about this you know it, it really is in some ways because formal training again is not focused on the here and now it's focused on the timeless foundational and uh, theological and theoretical uh, 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 insights that are needed for ministry you know I, I, again, I emphasize this. I like informal training. I like going to the latest conference or the latest seminar, or going to hear a sermon that gets me motivated and gets me moving. I like that, and I like that a lot. But I also understand that those things are most effective in my life when they're resting on the base of a good, solid, formal training core that gives me a foundation from which to work. And so, yeah, I get it. Formal training is out of date, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. It might be a compliment. And then here's another one. Formal training costs too much. I don't want to pay tuition, and I don't want to buy books, and I don't want to spend all the money driving back and forth to class. You know, I just want to watch a video from a pastor that's done a really good job preaching through the book of Ephesians, and that's all I need. I can teach through the book of Ephesians. That's all I need. No, that's not all you need and it's not going to cost you too much uh... It, it's gonna cost you yes it is going to be expensive in some ways but think about what you're getting you're getting the capacity to look into the bible in its original languages you're getting the capacity to understand theology at a depth that is not able to be communicated just in a sermon or a video you're able to go into the uh... go into a a, a library where there are hundreds if not thousands of resources on the subject that you're re- looking into and find out the wealth of all that's available to you because of that look yeah, it costs a little bit to get formal training, but man, it doesn't cost that much when you compare it to what you're getting. And also, seminaries particularly don't cost nearly what it costs to go to the other kinds of professional graduate schools. My, uh, one of my children uh, got a master's degree from a major university in the West United States, and that degree only took one year. And the cost of that degree was almost twice as much As It costs to get a three-year master's degree at Gateway Seminary one-year secular university costs almost the same Excuse me almost twice as much as it costs to get uh, as it costs to get a uh, Three-year degree here at Gateway, so I'm just simply saying that yeah, it costs money to get formal training But it's not that expensive and then finally sometimes people say well formal training drains my spiritual passion I mean it just sucks the life out of me well Some schools might do this, but, man, I don't know of one that does. The schools I know that are doing a good job training people for ministry are trying to create scholars on fire, people who know a lot about what the Bible says but are passionate about trying to get the gospel to as many people as possible. Um, I was uh, preaching once in... uh, chapel here at gateway about spiritual passion and about the need to be invigorated and ignited and how seminary had done that for me and had not diminished my passion but had increased it and afterwards one of the african-american students came up to me and said "Uh, dr orge i'll give you your sermon in two sentences i said okay and he said i've got the burning now i need the learning he had one he wanted the other he didn't want one or the other he had one and he wanted them both And that's what seminary does for you. You come fired up and passionate about ministry, and yeah, as you get into the grind of it, it sort of drains you down a little bit, but that's just the emotion being drained out of the initial process. It's not the passion being taken away. And so seminary invigorates our passion because it engages us deeply in the Word of God, in practical, in understanding theology, in dealing with practical ministry, in being around other Christians and Christian leaders. It's invigorating in those ways. So, yeah, yeah. Formal training, you can guess that I'm a fan. Now, you might say, well, yeah, you're a fan because you're a seminary professor, uh, president. Well, that's not why I'm a fan. Uh, I'm a fan of formal training for at least two specific reasons <clears throat> that don't have anything to do with my job. Number one, I'm a fan because of the pattern I see in the Bible. In the Bible, the pattern that God has is really pretty clear. God calls a person to ministry, sends that person through training, and then assigns that person to the ministry he wants them to lead. Now, there are some examples where God uh, was training a person before he called them and assigned them. I sometimes think the order can be different, but it's usually that God calls, God trains, God assigns. That's how it goes down. And you can look in the Old Testament and the New Testament and find multiple examples of how this plays out. So I see this biblical pattern. God calls, God trains, God assigns. He's done that through the ages. Why would he not do that in our generation as well? And so when I say if you're called, you need training so that God can assign you, I'm not simply trying to build seminary enrollment. I'm trying to follow a biblical pattern of what it means to be engaged in a lifetime of ministry leadership. And, and then there's a second reason, and that is I see the impact in the lives of people all around me who've been through a program like this. Yeah, I can name you a few pastors, and I'm thinking of one or two right now who never went to seminary and pastored very effectively throughout their lifetime. I can think of one or two. Most of the people that I know who've pastored churches successfully over an entire lifetime, and particularly those who've pastored churches that grew or who had large scopes of influence, those people had seminary training. In fact, it sometimes amuses me when large church pastors uh, say, well, I don't think our staff need seminary, they just need to go through the training program that we offer them. And then I sometimes will ask, well, now where did you go to seminary? And the pastor will almost always say, oh, well, I went here, or I went there. Well, then why don't you think your, your, your followers or your uh, staff members need the same thing that you have? because it's so easy to forget that it was that training that gave them the foundation to get the work done that they're now getting accomplished. So yes, There are some rare cases where people without any kind of formal training have significant influence or longevity in pastoral ministry, but it's pretty rare. Most of the time when you see someone who's been a pastor for 20, 30, 40 years, or you see someone who's pastoring a church that's growing in size or has significant influence in a community or an area, you check back and you'll find that somewhere along the way that person had some pretty careful, pretty intense formal training for ministry. So, uh, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, there was a time when I first started doing the job I'm doing now that people said to me, Why Golden Gate or why Gateway? But that's not the first question anymore. Now the question is, why seminary? Why go through a formal training process? And I've tried to outline the reasons for that in this podcast. I think there are good and valid reasons why it's important to place yourself into a formal training process that takes two, three, four years to accomplish, that stretches you, changes you, exposes you to new cultures and worldviews, lays a foundation in your life, gives you some appropriate on-the-job training, does all of these things that only formal training Training can do, and then these excuses don't use these excuses. Don't say, "Well, it's out of date. It takes too long. It costs too much. It'll drain my passion." None of those things are necessarily true, and none of them have to be true about you. Don't use these excuses to avoid the responsibility of taking on this kind of training response. This this kind of training commitment. Now, here's kind of the dirty little secret that. hate to talk about, but I think I need to address on the podcast. One of the reasons that some people don't want to get training is because, quite frankly, they're not willing to commit to a lifetime of ministry leadership. They're dabbling at it. They they think it's for a season. They're going to try it for two or three years. I don't understand that thinking. When God called me to ministry leadership, it was not for a few weeks or a few months or a few years. It was for a lifetime. And I knew that if I was going to be involved in ministry leadership for 40 or 50 years, that four to five to seven years of intense training that would lay the foundation for that lifetime was essential and actually was a blessing. And so if you're reluctant to really take the plunge into formal training and to hold yourself accountable to get that done, if you're doing that, if you're reluctant to do that because honestly, you're afraid of making a lifetime or a lifelong commitment to ministry, then I pray that you just take a giant step back and evaluate where you are and what you're trying to accomplish and what you're really committed to. Because if God has called you, and he's called you to a lifetime of service, and you're going to be doing this for 20, 30, 40, 50 more years, why would you not want to take a few years to make sure that you are really well trained to get that job done? So formal training is certainly not the only way to get trained. Informal training helps too. But my contention is that informal training works best when it rests on a foundation of formal training. And so I would challenge you to take the responsibility of leading, which means you take on the burden and responsibility of being trained. And when you do that well, you'll find that over a lifetime, you'll be able to lead on.